0: Good morning. It is actually Monday, September 11th, uh, 2023, and as you are uh, tuning in to listen to this uh, service, you may say, well, what happened uh, yesterday? Because uh, there's no way of um, getting around this. This is going to be a recording of the sermon that I actually preached yesterday. We were down at Northwood County Park, and uh, we gathered together as a church down there. Uh, We had a Friday and Saturday where we were camping, and then Sunday we gathered down there and just um, had our service in that really neat pavilion down there, and then uh, had a fellowship time afterwards. And uh, you may even be wondering, why are we coming back on a Monday and recording it? Well, you know, because we here at uh, CBC really do believe that it is important for God's Word um, to be uh, given to, um, to many to hear all around the world, but also we, we do hold very strongly to uh, the importance of everyone, whether you call CBC home or not, to be gathering together in a, with a local body of believers. And so, our prayer for this, why we record our services, is to get the Word of God out, but this is never to be a substitute for gathering in, in, a, in the local body and the local assembly of believers, because that is what we've been called to do. And so, our prayer is that you use these sermons to further your study. In the Word of God and not as a substitute for actually gathering face-to-face with believers. So that being said, let's uh, hop right into um, the the sermon today. And before we do that though, as always, I'd like to start with the word of prayer. Dear only Father, guide us. Give us wisdom as we go through this this text here. There are so many things that we need to see. May we truly see them in the light of your glory and the light of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. It is said by many, and it is as a common saying, that every cloud, there is a silver lining. And when we think about that, that phrase in and of itself means that even when things seem gloomy, that there is a line, that there's a silver lining in it all if we just look more deeply. When it comes to Scripture, we're going to find that in every story, every narrative points to Christ. It is always there. Yet many times we miss it because we lose focus on the larger story. And the larger story is, is that from the foundation of the earth, God had decreed that man would fall and that salvation would come through his son. This is why we have heard over and over and over again in our study of Genesis, this sentence, everything God does is perfect and completely wise and is the fittest means to accomplish everything he has decreed. Because as we see the larger story that God has decreed before the foundation of the world that man would fall and salvation would come through His Son and that we would have the culmination of all things being found in Christ when He returns. As that is unfolding in front of us, we need to read the Scripture with that in light. And so what we're going to see today in just two short verses in Genesis 3, 20 and 21, we're going to see the very essentials of the Gospel because we will see this good news, the good news that salvation is coming. We will see that from literally the beginning to the very end of all of Scripture. That is why we will see, and that is why the title is called Hope in the Midst. Let's read our two verses. The man called his wife Eve because she was a mother of all living, and the Lord made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Remember, When we look at the Bible, we need to understand that the Bible is an unfolding narrative. That every page we turn, we see the narrative of the gospel unfolding in new ways until we see the culmination of it all in Christ. And as the Bible unfolds, we need to read it through the unfolding of our own eyes to see what God is doing. And one of the major themes, and you'll see that as point number one there, one of the major themes that we will see in this unfolding narrative is the concept of salvation through judgment. That when God comes into this world and He brings about judgment on sinful man, we will see the salvation plan of God moving forward as well. Because we need to remember this, when a man's eyes are opened by the Spirit, when a man's eyes are open in the act of God saving them, they will see the weight of their sin. And when they see the weight of their sin, because their eyes have been opened to their sinful state, that opening of their eyes to see the weight of their sin will force them to be confronted by the wrath of God that is upon them. And this understanding of their sinfulness, the wrath of God is upon them, and the way that God has set up the Gospel is that in and of itself will cause them to run to Jesus, their only hope. This is why Paul tells Timothy that there is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. That is why it has been said by many that the justice of God is what drives man to seek God's mercy. It is the justice of God that drives man to seek God's mercy. Many times, too, as we read the Word of God, we can get caught up in the moment of reading it and miss the whole drama and narrative of Scripture. When we think of the drama of the text, let's take a moment and just build the drama that is happening. So if we start back at the very beginning, we have God in His beauty and in His perfection, creating a world where man and man was in the garden, where man could dwell with God in complete harmony. And as God and man dwelled together, He placed him in a garden, a paradise, where the ground would bring forth fruit over and over. And Adam's job was to tend it, to collect it. And God gives him a a helper in order to fill the earth and subdue it and bring about beauty all around him. And as we see these things playing out, as we see the drama of it all, you can hear almost... As the serpent comes into the garden, the the drama of the music is playing. What is going to happen here? Adam and Eve then fall, and they rebel against God. They sin against their Creator. And the tenseness is there as God tells them what's going to happen because of the consequences of their sin. The serpent, then he moves to Eve, and then he moves to Adam. And you can hear and feel the tension in the air as God gets done saying, you are dust, and to dust you shall return and you're wondering what's going to happen next. What is Adam going to say? What is Eve going to do? What about the serpent? What's going to happen next? And we're all waiting to hear, and here's what we see. We see Adam doing something. Adam is going to name his wife a new name. And what we're going to see here is point number two. We're going to see faith in God's promises. God is going to make a promise, and we're going to see Adam's response to it. So let's think about this for a moment. Adam had previously stopped listening to God's command. Remember the command was, eat of anything you want in the garden, just not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can do whatever you want, just not that. So he had stopped listening to God. He said, I know better. And he had listened to his wife. He had trusted his wife, not God. And another way of saying it, Adam did not believe God. He did not believe that God had what was best for him. But what we see now is in this turn of Adam, Adam calls his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. That's what the word Eve means. And in naming her, what we're going to see is Adam is going to demonstrate faith and the fruit of that faith is hope in what God had said. Adam demonstrates faith and the fruit of that faith is hope in what God had said. Because when he names his wife Eve, the mother of all living, it's going right back to what God had told Eve was going to be part of the response to this curse. Genesis 3.15, God says, I will put enmity between you, speaking to the serpent, and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So we have the serpent is going to have offspring and the woman is going to have offspring. And it's interesting here, Eve is named the mother of all living, but yet Eve has not even given birth to a child yet. But this child, what God had said to Adam, was going to crush the serpent's head. And so, literally, Adam is saying that out of Eve, she will be the mother of all living, that out of Eve will come a deliverer to restore paradise. This is the good news. This, by definition, then, is the gospel, because the gospel is good news. Eve had not even given birth, but Adam is trusting to what God has just said, that she will have offspring, and he trusts God, and this is how it is seen by him turning and looking at Eve and says, you then will be the mother of all living, even though he had not seen her give birth to anyone. So what we see here is Adam has gone from not trusting God back to trusting God. Isn't this what is salvation? This is really what salvation is. It's when the sinner says, I believe you. I believe in the promises that you said and that they will happen. This is at the very root of salvation. It is a trust that what God had said He will do. This is even, as I would like to say, the root of faith. The root of faith, the very basics of faith is believing what God had said. If you turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, listen to what it says there. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. God had said to Adam, a redeemer is going to come. He had said it to Eve, a redeemer is going to come. They had not seen it yet. They are hoping for it. This is what their faith is. And we see God, we see Adam's hope in God or faith in God by the way he turns to his wife and names her this. All that God had revealed at that point, though, to Adam was this. There is sin in the world, and there's one that is coming to destroy Satan. And Adam believes that, and he turns and names his wife. This is what is common as well throughout the Old Testament. How we see salvation, a belief in the good news. Now, the gospel has not fully been fully explained, but the good news that God has proclaimed to the people in the Old Testament is all pointing us to Christ. And so Adam believed and tr- believed and trusted what God had revealed to him. Just like the same thing with Abraham. In Genesis 15, the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The, what, he, what did he believe? That his barren wife Sarah would give birth to a son. He had not seen it yet. He's only heard that it was going to happen. But because he believed God, it was accounted to him as righteousness. Not only do we see one of the essential aspects of the gospel in this passage, we're also going to see here a repentance, a repentant heart of Adam, where he turns away from believing Satan and turning towards believing God. Adam believing God because the gospel was given in 3:15 and anticipated, and Adam anticipated it would be completed by naming his wife because we see the gospel believed. The gospel given that an offspring is going to come. The gospel believed when Adam turns and names his wife, the mother of all living. Not only do we see faith here, the, the essentials of faith, the trust that comes out in hope, we're also seeing the atoning work of Christ. We see this here in point number three, God's atoning work, that God does not leave man in his nakedness. Remember, Adam had tried his best to, to sow fig leaves there, and it was just a pathetic excuse for some type of clothing. They understand they're naked. They hide, even with these fig leaves hiding. But what we see is God does not leave man in his nakedness. God is gracious and merciful. God shows compassion on these rebels. This is where John will later tell us we love him because he first loved us. Adam had utterly failed at his attempt to cover his nakedness. All he had done is sin and rebelled and in his, and it is his pure, unadulterated, just shamefulness in front of him here. He is almost calling, looking to God, help. What does God do? God makes a permanent covering for him. Here we have a sacrifice of, an, of another to cover another. What we see here is God. The sovereign creator of all mankind steps in and shows us a pattern that we'll see throughout all Scripture. The sacrifice of another to cover another. He does not go and find a sheep and gather wool, but He makes clothing out of the skin of an animal. Remember, God is the sovereign creator of all mankind, all animals as well. When He decides to do something, He can do it because He is the creator, sustainer of all things. And so, God chooses an animal. Not only does He choose an animal, God kills that animal. This is the first recorded death we have in the Bible. It's a substitute death. Adam and Eve deserve death, but the first one to die is an animal that had not rebelled against its Creator. An animal, in many ways, if you want to even tear it further, an animal who had come and been slaughtered by His Creator. God taking the covering from this animal, the skin of the animal, and He clothes man. We see this death of an animal. We see this death of a one to cover the other. And we see this played all the way through until one day, standing on the bank of the Jordan, John the Baptist points to Jesus Christ and he says, Behold the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, the substitute for mankind. Not only do we see the beauty of this, but we're going to see how all of this is pointing us to Christ. When we think and we say to ourselves, so what did we learn? What did we talk about today? What are the the truths that we need to dive into and understand? We need to understand this, that each one of us stands like Adam and Eve, completely exposed before a holy God. We stand condemned before God because of our sin. But the good news is this. The long for deliverer has, the long for deliverer has come and defeated death and he lives. The call of the gospel is believe and follow him. Turn away from your sins and follow him. This is a call that is in front of us all the time, each one of us. This call here reminds me of what Elijah said. Many, many years ago, Elijah brings the Israelite people and the, and the worshipers of Baal all to Mount Carmel as they're standing there on Mount Carmel. As Israel had been following after the gods of this world. And remember, Israel was not that they ever totally rejected following God. They would add the, the teachings of all the other gods with the teachings of, of the Bible, of the scripture. They would add them all together and just mix them up. And they would just say, it would almost be like a, a multitude of worshiping all the gods around them. Just add the other gods to whatever they wanted to do. And Elijah stands there on Mount Carmel and he says in 1 Kings 18:21, and Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? The idea here, I love this verbiage, it's the idea of back and forth, but they're not even doing it well, they're just limping, they're like dragging themselves this side or that side or whatever. And he goes on to say, if the Lord is God, follow Him, but if Baal is, then follow Him. And you would think the people would want to say, no, we believe in God, we believe these things. The text goes on to tell us, and the people did not answer him a word. So may we not be like the Israelites on that day. May we say, no, we have seen that our Redeemer lives. We have heard what He has promised and we believe them. Because fire will come from heaven and Israel will fall on their knees. But it is only a momentary repentance. It is not a repentance that leads them to salvation. It is a a momentary humbling and Israel will rebel once again. May we not be like them. May we submit our hearts and our lives to the things of God. Whether you, in the sound of my voice, do not know the things of God, today is the day of salvation. Whether you're a believer in Christ, today is a day where you remind yourself again that you know whom you believe and you are persuaded that He is able to do abundantly above all you can ask or think. That what He has promised, He will do. And the only way we can do that, as I've said over and over and over again, is by the continual renewing of our mind. Adam needed his mind renewed. And what what renewed his mind back to proper thinking was the justice of God that was poured out on the serpent, his wife, and himself. And when that happened, it awoken in him again the idea that God is going to provide a Redeemer. And we see that when he turns to his wife and says, You are the mother of all the living. May we have that same faith in our own hearts and lives today. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we so desperately need your help. We know we are prone to wander. We know we are prone to do what we ought not to do. So dearly Father, take our hearts and seal them for your courts above. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.